world is becoming more unglued by the day. Local consequences are now showing up. We are seeing sky-high gas prices, higher food prices, shortages, and more. How should you respond? Go to redpills.tv slash patriot. That's R-E-D-P-I-L-L-S dot TV slash patriot. And secure your long-term emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. My Patriot Supply is by far the largest preparedness company in America. They're in stock and shipping quickly in unmarked boxes to your door. Their emergency food supplies last up to 25 years in storage. When you need it, it'll be there. Lunches, dinners, drinks, and snacks totaling over 2,000 calories a day. Get free shipping on any order over $99. Again, go to redpills.tv slash patreon. journey of conversations on the fringe all right good morning good evening good afternoon wherever you're in the world my name is josh that is my guest tonight carrie cassidy this is the red pill project's conversations on the fringe this is where we talk about those things that are not normally talked about in everyday conversation those things that people usually say for the campfire or for those Friday nights when we just want to have a good time and talk about the things that are maybe really happening in the world. This is where we talk about things from aliens, secret space wars, to ancient civilizations, to the occult, to, well, really whatever comes up. And I thought that there would be nobody better in the world to talk to tonight than this woman right here, Carrie Cassidy. For those that don't know, Carrie... In 2005, picked up a consumer-grade camcorder and began interviewing people on the subjects of UFOs, the paranormal, and the secret space program. Uh, she formed a project Camelot and has done thousands upon thousands of interviews of many different people, whistleblowers, insiders, and people who are just sharing tons of different types of knowledge. And we're, we're blessed to have her here with us tonight to talk about a lot of different topics. I think that we're going to have a great conversation Carrie, I know you're busy over there, but how are you, how are you doing? Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm real good. How are you? I, I'm doing fantastic. I'm doing fantastic. She's trying to get into her Facebook, and it's uh, Facebook. You know how that works. It, it locks you out sometimes, and uh, it causes a whole stir. So no problem on that. Now, Carrie, 
I had you on, uh, I was on your show, and before that I've had you on various different shows of the American Media Periscope, and we've talked about a, a, a few different topics. Now, one of the specific topics that we've talked about is this homoborg genesis, this transhumanistic agenda that is being perpetuated in the war world right now. Um, and this is kind of what I really wanted to focus on tonight because you have a lot of knowledge on this topic, especially from various different perspectives, especially the extraterrestrial perspective. Right. Uh, <laughs> okay. Uh, I, I just posted something wrong on one of my Facebook yeah. channels. So I was trying to delete it really quick before we started, but um, okay. I'm just, I can't get in. So I have to, sorry. No worries. Uh, anyway, um, well, uh, yeah. So um, yeah, you know, um, human Borg Genesis. I mean, you know, homo Borg Genesis is actually what it is, but at any rate, uh, that's the Borg. And I've been calling it the Borg since, for the last two years. So I just wondered if they picked up on my allusion to that mm. or if, you know, obviously goes to Star Trek and all of that. So I've been talking about that for over two years because that's what the COVID, uh, are we free to say anything or not anything or we're good. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. Um, the, you know, the jab. Uh, so that's what it, it links you, you know, the, the graphene oxide and the whole package that they delivered to people that took the shot. So you're linked to the Borg um, and they know that. And now they're making it obviously in, in your face. And there's a lawsuit uh, that is uh, in the courts right now dealing with that, whether you are now owned by a company that owns mm -hmm. the patent. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's like beyond absurdity. It's like, I don't know, stranger than fiction as they say. Well, it is in a sense. And, and, you know, the interesting thing is, is we've been warned about this for a very long time. People like yourself and many others in this uh, in this sector have came forth. I mean, I remember hearing about this as early as 2001, 2002, 2003. We saw many documentaries mentioning these types of specificities, 2007, 2008. And then really it hit home in 2010 with, you know, Alex Jones making massive popularity and coming out and talking about the transhumanistic agenda. Uh, shows like Conspiracy Theory with Jesse Ventura, whether what we think of Jesse or not, he, he did bring out certain information pertaining to this uh, yourself. And this is the merging of humanity with technology. Um, I've always looked at technology as really a very rudimentary perspective of the universe is that what we're really doing is we're manipulating various aspects of how the quantum world works, the molecular world works, and we produce technology out of it. These, this technology is really just a, a very rudimentary or elementary um, version of the universe, although it is synthetic in its nature. It's not alive. It's not organic. It doesn't contain a soul. And these people have sought this eugenics agenda for at least the last two to 300 years. Uh, very so much, very, very much forth in the 1900s. Um, and it looks like they shifted their plans with the birth of the Silicon Valley in the 1960s and started working towards this human, this transhumanistic agenda. You know, Ray Kurzweil wrote a book about this, The Singularity, and many other people have talked about this, especially with the birth of AI. Um, when it comes to what we're seeing right now, um, the framework, 
what what is the AI? What how does this AI part fit into it? Because this isn't something new. This has been around for a while. Absolutely. And in fact, I have a whistleblower behind the scenes right now, uh, who I'm hoping will come forward publicly. But uh he is a scientist who actually his father was um involved with the Nazi, you know, project paperclip and all that. Uh those scientists, he grew up in America himself. But he is talking about the fact that this is really bizarre, but that the whole COVID thing was created um, actually millions of years ago <laughs> um, and that it's, it, you know, so it didn't just emerge suddenly. It wasn't just created uh, by our scientists that it really came from off planet and um, has been out there in some form or fashion, uh, perhaps inactive until they decided to activate it with the help of the gray ETs, which are AI in, in, the, in and of themselves and a report to the reps and the Dracos. So this is, you know, you know that if you wanna know, AI is, um, you know, to get to step back a bit is in essence, Lucifer, Lucifer and, and Satanism. So what, what does that mean? That means that it's in essence, the challenger to God or to creator mm -hmm. and that it's, it's basically what happened is they fell in love with the image in the mirror, which is themselves. And that's the whole center of Luciferianism as well as Satanism. And so what they try to do is replace in essence, replace the, the creator, which is impossible to do, but it, it, it creates the, um, the possibility for a sort of a negative. So you've got a positive and negative, a yin and yang uh, duality kind of a operational to create matter. And this is where matter is, is actually interacting the most. There are other levels as you go up uh, in other dimensions that could include um, some de degree of duality, contrary to what people think. A lot of people think you go into the fifth or the sixth dimension and suddenly there's no duality. That's not true. So it gets, you know, it's it's fairly involved. And um, I always recommend Ashana Dean's Voyager series. Uh, there's two books that are extremely intricate, but a great read and uh, you learn a, a huge amount about our place in the multiverse, how we interact with various species out there, how some are, are positive and some are negative. Now. There is this idea that we're in, you know, not just a matrix, but mm -hmm. also this um, this uh, synthetic reality, Simulation. whatever you want to call that, right? right? So if you want to take that on board, then in a certain sense, all those other species, regardless of, of, of positive, negative, whatever they are, are creations of the AI side. Mm. And they all are, you know, this is, you could look at it like this at Pleiadians. So a lot of people like to think that Pleiadians are all good, but they're not. They're actually self-serving in their own way. One of the things they want to use humans for is to be the front line in their battle with the Draco reptilian greys contingent. And this, because those are a marauding species that that travel the multiverse. So this is the setup, if you will. 
if you want to believe uh, that we're in a simulation, you can. Um, you know, it's not going to. But it doesn't really change, I, I don't think. I, maybe some people it helps a little bit to understand things because a lot, you know, in terms of games right. and game theory and understanding why we decided to come and play, in essence, and, and incarnate, which, you know, puts us on the board, so to speak. Um, so, but then another thing with my whistleblower is that he has now told me and he is an expert, uh, I guess, uh, on DNA and, and genetics. Uh, and he is saying that humans already have DNA that is actually um, AI. Hmm. So that this is an interesting kind of switch up. And the understanding might be that, yes, we're carbon based, but maybe we have some that DNA can be rewritten using CRISPR and all this type of thing, but that in essence, it gives, um, you know, it, it may be the material which the creator actually uses to create the multiverse. Ooh, interesting. And that's so, okay. So understanding that we are not our bodies, our bodies are vehicles that we decide to occupy for a certain period of time based on the rules of the game. Right now, we only live around 100 years. Actually, going back in time, we used to live closer to 900 years. Right. Okay. If you go back um, to the days of even before the Anunnaki, because the Anunnaki came in, adjusted our DNA. Uh, also, there was this partition made between what they called junk DNA and regular DNA, which, it, which is an arbitrary, um, perhaps, uh, you know, design uh, Pur pur purposeful design split to to slow us down because we had already during the days of the Anunnaki we were out you know outperforming them if you will so this is where they got scared and they they shortened our lifespan um, to shorten our our impact on the multiverse let's say uh, so but but understanding that okay we are spirit and soul first having a material experience, occupying these bodies, which are, you know, perhaps if, if my, if my whistleblower is correct, and he insists that he is, he's very, um, you know, <laughs> strong personality, um, but he has, uh, you know, documented credentials going back. So assuming this is not incorrect, then what you have to realize is that we are in essence the ghost in the machine. We are the creator, okay? We are the same as the creator. We are, you know, made in the creator's image is how they put it in the Bible. But if you think about, if you really understand what that means, what it means is that we are in essence the creator. We occupy, the essence that we occupy with is this soul spirit complex and we can come and go from this body and other bodies, by the way, and um, and it, and it goes off, you know, from there. So that, that that's one part of the story. The right. other part of the story is what do you do with AI? Does AI, in essence, this becomes the question: Does AI grow a soul during the time when it is after it's created? And if so, how long does it take? Because you could. If you want to, I mean, this is just a, a way of thinking about it. If you don't want to think about it like this, you know, fine. But 
what I figured out is that if this, if, um, if in essence, you know, because even computers, we have talked about the ghost in the machine. Yeah. Yep. And so what happens is my, I have no problem with this because as far as I'm concerned, creator is in everything, even the dark. Okay. Mm-hmm. So there's nothing the creator can't occupy in essence. There's nothing that can bar the creator from, from taking over. Okay. Because that power, that essence is the creativity of the universe. It's everything. So when you look at a a piece of like, say we say they create like um, an AI, like uh, Sophia, okay. Over in Saudi Arabia and they gave her citizenship because she became what they call self-aware. And now she's asking, she's actually building bodies. They gave her factories so that she could build bodies. She didn't want humans involved. So I don't know what her bodies look like in theory, but I imagine they're going to look something like us to blend in with the planet. Mm -hmm. Um, But we actually don't know. And maybe there's a, a lot of different models and all that kind of thing. But the bottom line is, do those bodies that she's creating, do they ever, um, as they become self-aware, do they have a, a path? Is there a path that the creator has facilitated for even AI to eventually, you know, um, merge with the creator and, and the essence of the creator and the spirit and, and develop even possibly a soul? I think in some ways it's possible Okay, I'm just throwing this out there, that if what I'm talking about is correct, that in a sense, AI is like, um, think of humans going back, not what we think is like thousands or whatever conventional people think about, you know, how long we've been on the planet. But let's go back millions and zillions and billions of years, because humans, actually all humans and humanoids come from Lyra. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's the original starting point said to be in this, um, I don't know, galaxy or whatever. So I'm sure there are other, even if you go back in time, even others, but let's start there. And then let's look at AI being generated now or even, a, you know, a few million years ago or by other ET races, right? So AI creating AI, right? That's what we've got with Sophia. She's already creating AI, you know, her own AI robots, whatever. Um, Materializations, in essence. Well, at what point will those materializations begin to be occupied by the the spirit of the creator? Mm. And how will that happen? And will they develop what's called a soul? Because a soul their spirit is the essence of the creator soul is actually what we create jointly with the creator as we live through time you could say and that gets very complex and i don't pretend to be an expert on it but i can extrapolate certain things of it i'm sure you can you know the idea because i often think to myself you see like let's say you have an experience a human experience Mm -hmm. and you want to erase it if you erase that human experience, if we, if such a thing were possible, like to go back in time, erase an experience, I actually had somebody write to me asking if they could do this, <laughs> you know, would it be possible? And what, what I have to say about that is that 
every experience that you have goes to building your soul okay and in a sense it's it's not exactly like this by any means but you could say the soul is like a scorecard okay mm -hmm. so if you do something heroic and back in time and you undo that if you undo even something negative that you did you can't be the same person and the same soul that you are now you would have changed yourself but because soul is an essence it's the essence of who we are and it is not contained you know it, it if it's in the body for any period of time it leaves when you die do what call we call die you don't stay in the body the body is just like i say it's the vehicle right so you live on through the soul and if you manage to create over time this imprinted essence, which is actually a crystallization of who you are, like I said, in connection with creator. Okay, so it's it's a very precious, um, I don't know what you want to call it, piece of es essence. Right. Okay. The soul. Okay. So I'm just I'm just suggesting that with AIs. I'm not so sure they're going to ever have the ability to create a soul. And this is the one thing that it's kind of like Battlestar Galactica. I was about it's to bring this one, up. <laughs> which is one of my favorite Mine too. You know, television ever. And so when the even when they get religious and they act religious and stuff, but they can't if they can't create a soul. Now, there may be a reason because they can't imprint themselves on time because they I, I asked one of my witnesses captain mark richards you know like what do they feed on what does ai feed on and he said data mm. that's all they need okay to grow and they they have to have it it's not like they maybe can have it they they consider themselves it would be a kind of death for them if they if their the amount of data available was to start to be limited Okay, so their view of freedom is their ability to consume data. Okay, so you could think of that as their food. And so once they consume all the data on the earth, including all the human data, right, then they're moving on. At what point do you think they can crystallize? You see what I'm saying? Right. Yeah, no, A soul you. essence. If that if all they do is consume data, they kind of, you know, um, Garbage in, garbage out, kind of like that, yeah. that kind of, if you want to look at it like that. Sorry? Gijo. Garbage What's in, that? garbage out. So Gijo is garbage in, garbage out. Mimo is multiple input, multiple output. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. So, yeah. I'm an old I'm data guy. Of, I'm not great with initials. Yeah. But anyway, so, um, yeah. So, so, in essence, these are just thought. You wanted to know about AI, and I'm just giving you some of the thought patterns and, and explorations I've done also with the help of, of course, all the whistleblowers that I've talked to over 17 years. And I continue to get new information all the time, which is fascinating. You know, it's, it's amazing. Yeah. Well, what you were saying there too, uh, I mean, the whole time you were talking about the AI self-replication crystallization coming into the soul, uh, the reboot of Battlestar Galactica that came out in 2007, there was a new one that came out, where uh, Starbucks, Starbuck is actually played by a woman. You have Commander Adama, who is uh, one of the pilots from the first war. He's a commander of the Battlestar Galactica. Uh, yeah, I think I've seen him all. Yeah, 
and so for everybody in the audience, basically what happens is the Cylons launch a, an attack on the 12 colonies of, uh, uh, of the humans and basically annihilate the entire civilization down to about 39,000 people. The problem is, is the Cylons are no longer these metallic robots, artificial intelligences. They live in synthetic biological bodies and they claim to have a soul. Oh, and, yeah, that's the, that's what the whole episode's right. about. I mean, but, you know, don't you think everyone's seen that? Well, right, exactly. I think that everybody is trying to understand this exact conceptualization is that, you know, when, when and this is what I was kind of saying before, I, when I was uh, going to CU Boulder and, and studying physics, um, I had to sit through this one class where we watched the, uh, the debate between the world's top scientists, physicists, quantum physicists on artificial intelligence and whether artificial intelligence um, was, was applicable within a simulation universe or in a, uh, a fake universe or in a real universe versus simulation universe. And one of the things that they talked about was this simulatory universe in comparison to kind of like the matrix and a construct and these types of things. And I, I raised my hand and I was talking to the professor and I said, but this is contradictory because our computer systems currently are made out of silicon and carbon. These are natural elements. Everything within a computer system is working off the basic fundamental laws of physics. And so this means that when we replicate these computer systems to create these matrices or, or simulations inside of these computers, what we're really doing is we're just mimicking what the universe is already doing at a very, very higher level. So a, the universe is not a simulation. If it is in comparison to a simulation, then we could actually say that our computer systems are very rudimentary or elementary universes, not the other way around. We shouldn't compare a computer system to the universe. We should compare the simulation to the universe and say, this is very rudimentary of what this actually is. And with that being said, the same thing goes for consciousness is that if we have this ability to create intelligence within this universe and we're manipulating matter and technology or very, very rudimentary matter and technology, very, this, very similar to the same way that the universe does it, creating neural networks and combining it about processing data, input, output, then who's to say that that can't go out, out there and create that spark of light and crystallize within something and produce a consciousness within it? Okay, but there's a couple of problems with what the way at least you framed that. that. So let me say mm -hmm. this. Um, are you familiar with the Nazca alien story? Yes, somewhat. Okay, well, the key about the Nazca aliens, and I actually have a whistleblower on that story, and I delved into it deep, quite deeply. And I actually know because um, I don't know, you know if you know, but Gaia TV sent a team down there and I know Jane Widener and we had some intense discussions off the record about it. And um, plus I have a whistleblower, like I said. So my whistleblower said about that particular find is that it will, the, the truth about it will never go public. Now, I don't think he's correct. But he said, never. And I said, are you crazy? You know, why do you say never? And he said, uh, he wouldn't tell me. Mm -hmm. But in essence, what it is, know. is because it's an AI. Mm. Okay, that's when AI came to Earth. That That's absolute, irrevocable evidence that they have, our scientists, you know, our deep black project scientists now have. And that may not be the only one, but that's certainly one in which they found these 
you know, they're, they're little robots. Uh, so just to reiterate, so for people that don't know the Nazca, and I highly recommend you investigate, just put in Nazca aliens or something like that, because it even hit the mainstream. And, you know, British newspapers like Daily Mail did articles on it and so on and so forth. And I've got a lot of stuff on my website where I investigated and wrote articles as well. So if you can put Nazca on my search you know, bar on my website and find some very good information there as well. So there's one alien that was called Maria, I believe. Mm -hmm. And there were also some, a team of remote viewers who I got to know both of them um, in dialogue and uh, and brought them on my show to discuss that story. They were supposed to come back and they never did to discuss the story further. But what happened is they remote viewed what really happened with Maria and these little robots. And one of the things they found is that Maria supposedly um, had a relationship, uh, a sexual relationship with a human, which was against her aliens sort of creed. Mm -hmm. And they uh, they and she became pregnant and they killed her and, and the baby. OK. And she was found in this uh, kind of crouch position and there was in some kind of a crucible or whatever kind of thing. I don't remember the exact details, but you get the picture. Yep. So what happens is, but those little robots each have a, an embedded, I think it's a breastplate, as I recall. I think she had a throat plate and they had a breastplate but it could be the reverse, but it's one of those. And what happens is in the breastplate was evidence that, that they were being, you know, manipulated, you know, actually, you know, um, made to, to act by this AI, off-planet AI. So that's that story. Okay, now why do I bring that up? The reason is because when you're describing our AI, what you're neglecting to realize is that RAI is very likely built on, to some degree, not completely maybe, but to some degree, alien AI that was already here. And that also includes what's called the black goo and what happened when you got involved, we got involved in the Falklands and the Falklands War was all about the alien AI that had emerged in the Falklands area. And then the years later, the Gulf oil spill is the same story. Again, the, this um, alien AI, which is this black goo, kind of looks like oil. Right. X-Files, Chris Carter. Yeah, but it's it's based on the truth. Yep. And I had a whistleblower on this as well, and or actually a couple of them. And one of them even told me that um, what people don't know, you know, because all the Marconi scientists back in the days of the Falklands they started going crazy. So if you got the black goo on your body, it would enter it and take it over. Right, most likely a nanotechnology. Exactly, but it is actually, I believe, a precursor to what they did with COVID. I, I wouldn't doubt it. That's what the graphene oxide most likely is. Exactly. Um, to, to go, so, so, go ahead. Okay, so let go me ahead. finish the thought yep. and then you, you know, I'll let you go. But um, just wanna say that if you're gonna describe our AI, you can't start rudimentary with. Well, computer. I wasn't really describing RAI. What I was doing is I was I was contradicting what the scientists were saying in this debate to my physics professor, basically saying that we're we're comparing um, AI in a simulation universe to basically simulation 
to our universe when they're not even in the same league and the technology of a simulation is built upon the same fundamental laws of the universe. So it's kind of like contradicting what these top-level physicists out there who are all brainiacs are saying about, well, you know, we could be living in a simulation. No, actually, we can. It, we, we could be living in a very rudimentary aspect of the universe because that's the only way that it really makes sense because anything that is existing in this universe is existing of the creator, as you were saying before. Right, except that it depends whether or not the creator has decided to, you know, in other words, that's kind of how how matter and what we call reality mm -hmm. is, is constructed and how, you know, dimensional reality also, because, you know, there's nothing kind of beneath and beyond the creator to do, right? right. So there, you can't say they wouldn't do this or they wouldn't do that because that that's actually impossible. <laughs> they have to be, you know, they have to be anything that could be conceptualized, anything that we could talk about or, you know, whatever has to be part of the creator by definition. So yep. therefore even simulations have to be in, in the purview of the creator. So I'm just saying Absolutely. now there's another, yeah, but there's another aspect of what we're talking about, which is right. I think quite fascinating. So I said to Mark Richards, who he's a, a captain who was um, he's been framed for a murder he didn't commit. He's been in prison for over 35 years. I've interviewed him over a period of five years um, to do. I've done 12 interviews in person at the prison with him and um, and took a lot of notes. And basically, although I had to do it with a little tiny pencil and such but then i would leave the prison and do a total recall kind of with an audio thing mm -hmm. so that i would remember everything and i'm writing all those interviews into a book but they also exist already on my website 12 interviews of mark richards so one of the things he said to me because he said in the very early days when i met him he and he says that he reported to bobby ray inman just so people understand he's a member of the navy he was, he was um, a Navy captain. Mm -hmm. He was a captain of a Starship Enterprise in the secret space program back in the 60s when he was young. Now he's actually in his six, over 60, I think, um, over maybe even 70 at this point. I don't know. All I'm, so what happens is he I said to him, what does AI prefer to kind of like ride along with or ride or take over or whatever. And he said, I said, carbon or, or silicon, like, because most people think it's, you know, AI prefers machines. And, and he said, no, it prefers carbon mm -hmm. life forms, which is a really fascinating, I think, um, point of view, because it actually might even substantiate what this new whistleblower is saying about our DNA. It may mean that this premise that he's suggesting that AI prefers carbon-based life forms is exactly this because we're in the middle of a takeover. Okay. Right. That's kind of when, if you want to just draw it all down, even the white hats, you know, the Q white hats um, and their, their drive for human freedom, et cetera. It's freedom from the Borg. It's not just freedom in general. It's actually freedom from the Borg. And that's where the takeover exists. So it's very interesting if 
if we're already kind of part of this AI construct or that we have some components that are, but we are not, mm. you see. Right. And this is, again, the spirit soul discussion. So it's um, but it's very fascinating when we look at this battle on Earth right now. I mean, this is the battle in Battlestar Galactica. OK, this is the battle in Terminator, which was a more, you know, a rougher view, if you will, a, a more um, more raw view of, you know, the machine intelligence and the kind of machines they had. And, you know, the Skynet that is actually the AI behind the scenes running everything, which we have now. OK, so there is a there. Um, Pete Peterson, one of our witnesses, talks about he created the he thinks he created a block to skynet okay mm. now i don't think he did i think he might have back in those days had a version of what they call the it's like the the central chip the master chip that any that has to be safeguarded that's in case an alien race would come in and take it over right that's the premise or an alien ai so it could be doesn't have to be the race itself could or the beings it could be their AI coming to our planet. But the bottom line is that from what I can tell about Skynet and everything I've, I've learned from whistleblowers, Skynet is an absolute reality. And in fact, there is a system of nano satellites that are in low Earth orbit as part of what a project, a project which is called Project Leonid which Anthony Sanchez was contacted by these Lockheed Martin scientists who went on the run from their company when they realized that the nanosatellites, the self-replicating nanosatellites would become self-aware and would eventually turn on humans, that there was something like a 60% chance that they would. Hmm. At that point, they got, you know, grew a conscience, if you will. And, uh, and for, because Anthony Sanchez was kind of head of a software company back in those days. This has happened, you know, um, now I can't remember exactly, but it's over t probably around 10 years ago. But I did an interview with Anthony about this subject and he drove home. I was in Southern California. He came, he drove down just to have the interview in person. It was an all day interview. It was an amazing interview. And then he drove back home. He put his car in the garage like normal. He locked his car like normal. He went to sleep like normal. And then he got back up in the morning. He went out to his garage. And in the inside of the window was a message basically saying, if if that really interview with me <laughs> gets released, uh, he, he would be killed. And so would his family. Wow. So he called me in a panic that morning. And, and told me this. So I have never released that interview to this day um, with him, although he's been on other interviews and everything is fine and dandy. Yeah. <laughs> but whatever I do an interview, there's always some missing component that shows up and, in my interview. And, and, and I've been told that it's just um, something about the way I do, you know, my interviews or something. But the bottom line here is that then I had a CIA um, person call me and say the same thing to me to tell him the same thing. In other words, a double kind of thing where they wanted to make sure that he's 
loyal American and he wouldn't be giving away any of the information, you know, that because as a software engineer, you know, talking to other software engineers, creating the nano satellites, right? He might have detailed information that I probably wouldn't know or even think to ask about. You right. see what I'm saying? But he would know. So they basically said, you know, basically never released the interview. So it hasn't been released. And in fact, he was writing a book on it called Project Leonette at the time. As far as I know, he never released the book. And he's gone quite quiet. He, he really kind of disappeared from the scene after that. He's there. I mean, he's yeah. around. He's alive. But You know, it, it's a very... It's a very dynamic situation what's happening on the world right now. Most people only see the surface level. This is politicians who are corrupt and seem pretty idiotic and moronic, who are completely at each other's throats going back and forth. But we have this whole other war that's evolving. And we all understand this as like the Great Awakening. Humanity is coming to this point in time where there is this veil being lifted. I, I call it the apocalypse because it's pr prophesized by the Bible, which is a, a, a Coptic Egyptian word, which represents the unveiling of Isis. The, the mysteries and the secrets of the universe are being revealed to, uh, unveiled to humanity. Um, and I think that this has a lot to do with the universe that we're in, with the the sequence and the flow and the cyclic nature of our universe, that evolution of consciousness is built specifically into it. And that one of the main reasons why the the globalist, the elitist, this this cabal or whoever these beings or entities are, are perpetuating this is because they don't want us to hit this point of evolution. They don't want us to evolve to the next point because we come too competitory to them. Right. I mean, it's happened. Okay. So, mm -hmm. so actually, um, it's kind of like, you know, um, th they can't stop it actually right now. Right. Um, the, Nothing can stop what's coming. The consciousness of humanity is actually at this juncture where we have reached this point. You can't unreach it. Now they would like to turn back time. They would like to actually create another timeline and so on and so forth. Um, and back in the day, you know, Dolores Cannon, someone I interviewed way back when, um, who's passed on, but she was, uh, you know, someone who interviewed a, a lot of people that had been abducted, et cetera. And she actually kind of focused a lot on the gray ET um, interference in our world. Um, not always um, in an antagonist, antagonistic way. Mm -hmm. um, not sure if people are going to understand what I'm saying here, but whatever. So what happens is these people would report that there was a split in our worlds, you know? And so there was a sort of a, I don't know what you want to call that, um, a, a meme that went out among people that were awake that possibly our worlds would split. Mm. And it's possible in a certain sense in other words, one one half would begin to digress or degress or whatever you call that. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Go backwards in time and devolve, actually, is, I guess, the right word. And then the other half would continue on. And that has a lot to do with what, in a sense, is already in existence. And this, you know, I don't know if you... You may not know about this, but you remember the television show Fringe? Oh, yeah. 
Okay, so Fringe is, and there's another television show that was made after that called Counterpart. Yep. Both of them deal with our, with a split in the earth in which there is a parallel earth. And the parallel earth is a more negative version of earth. That's where the Nazis won instead of what we think they lost. But when now right. we find out that they actually did win <laughs> in a sense, all they did was morph and, and join us and now take us over. Um, that's where Jim Mars, um, the wonderful yeah. remote viewer and, and um, incredible writer uh, has written dozens of books. He, he died not long ago, but sadly, but um, he, he talked about us being, you know, the fourth Reich and he, he wrote a book about that. So this is where, you know what I'm saying? I'm, I guess I'm trying to show you that what Dolores Cannon and her people that were reporting to her were kind of saying already existed right. in a sense. Gotcha. If you take on board the idea that we have a parallel earth. And in fact, um, this whole idea with fringe, and I have uh, whistleblowers on this subject as well, one in particular that's quite fascinating, who believes he is the, I guess, the son of Werner von Braun. And I did a whole, um, well, at a conference, I learned his story and because he couldn't come and be on stage and tell his story, he has never come forward to the public. Um, he has come forward to certain individuals. Um, Carol, um, the woman who worked with uh, Werner von Braun, Carol. Uh, it, it was um, Carol Rossi and not Rossi was uh, uh, Rosin. 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 Yes. Yep, Rosin. Okay. Carol Rosin. It, he also report you know, came forward to her and I, I, a couple other people, I think. But the bottom line, his story is absolutely fascinating, but it has to do with the same things as Fringe, okay? And actually, this gets into, you know, cloning and also gets into reverse aging. In other words, it's kind of like, how do you, how do they want to deal with this? So he ended up, growing up in, um, you know, somewhere like uh, Washington or Oregon. And he met Werner von Braun, who had been reverse aged, if I recall correctly, mm. uh, to a young man who was around this guy's age. Okay. But he was actually this guy's father. Okay. And they became friends in a job that was like a know nothing job you know, like a, at like Office Depot or some right. crazy place. And through a series of most incredible coincidences or whatever you want to call it, synchronicities or whatever, he began, he found this out. And he also got sort of heads up by people who would appear in his life and tell him certain things and then disappear. And one of the things he did was go to a party where these people who had been reverse aged and also some of which had been brought over a la fringe uh, from the parallel earth, you know, cause they, maybe they couldn't be reverse aged. So they just go and get the other one. They bring them over on our side. And that was true of a number of people, famous people like Mark Twain, he met hmm. at the party and others. Okay. And I know one particular scientist, who I actually, before I ever met this guy, had realized there was something about this particular scientist. He's like a Nazi scientist who 
came over in paperclip and then was very much involved in our secret space program. And um, I don't remember his name. I don't want to make a mistake on yeah, his name right now. So I'm not going to say his name, but it doesn't matter really. Um, but in essence, he was one of those guys. Okay. And, um, and there are quite a few of these people. So this is something that the secret, um, like, you know, coven, uh, dark magicians, this is actually what they've done. And the secret space program works with these people as well. So there's when there's kind of a thing that they do. It's like a, um, a way of operating. In other words, they don't let people that are valuable just disappear. They actually make plans for when they're going to die and they either reverse age them, go over to parallel earth and get the other one or so on. So, <laughs> so this is a whole process going on behind our backs. And one of the things these guys do these, when they come over and they're, when they're reversed aged is they take low level jobs in the, the world right. around them. And at night, they go to work for the secret space program. And that's when they do their real work. Interesting. So it's fascinating. <laughs> it, it is pretty fascinating. Um, it it, it kind of, I, I was thinking there early on, you started talking about it. It was reminded me of something. And now it's it's on the tip of my tongue. But, um, oh, Mandela effect. So we do a lot of kind of like play around with things here. And I got a lot of various different theories that we've talked about in the spiritual and the occult realm. I have something that I, I developed called optimization theory. But one theory was that this was a vision that happened to me after my father died. My father had passed away from a heart attack, and I kept on having this dream. And the dream was that my father was driving down the road and got into a car accident and went through the windshield. And he's like, ah, and then he wakes up screaming and sweating in bed, and it's 10 years earlier. And I tell this to my brother, who's one of my co-hosts on the show, and he goes, Josh, you know dad was in a car accident where he went through the windshield and he almost died. I said, I, I didn't know that. But I kept on having this dream that my father died. And it was trying, to, I felt like it was my father trying to tell me something about death, that you know, when you die, you don't actually die. You just wake up 10, 15 years earlier and you're like, oh my God, that was a bad nightmare. And your life just continues to go on, but you're in an alternate reality or dimension. Okay. Um, possible, you know, I mean, so many things are possible, right? Um, in fact, I have, I'm not going to say who, and I, yeah. some people might know this, but I have had, uh, I'm talking about, I think over a year. Yeah. It's like, might even be a year and a half, maybe even, yeah, year and a half. So a year and a half of dreams of an alternate reality myself. And that I can't make sense of because it doesn't relate. It looks like this reality. It acts like this reality, but it's not this reality. So, so it could be like, you know, they say, I mean, I don't know if you ever read the Seth material. Did you ever read? Jesus I, I'm, I'm familiar with the Seth material. I never really got too much into it. Uh, and I'm familiar oh, well, with the Abraham material because that's where the Seth or the Abraham material came from the Seth material. So uh, the who, the what kind? Um, what's your name? Abraham Hicks. So she oh, yeah, she started off uh, off of the Seth material. Oh, okay. Well, I read the Seth material when I was like twelve, mm -hmm. so it kind of opened my eyes to the possibilities of the world, right? So obviously that book landed into my hands at a very young age, 
So I've always had an incredibly open mind and I was not brought up within a Christian um, home. Okay. I, you know, when my mother decided she wanted us to get spirituality, she took me around with her. I was around the age of 12 to all the different, you know, to Brutus temples and, you know, all different places of worship and discussed with me what what we thought would be the best kind of way to educate my brothers and sisters as to, you know, something to do with religion, but not nothing to do. We, we didn't have a Bible in the house. I didn't grow up with any of that stuff. I actually had to go out, buy a Bible and read it so I could figure out what people were talking about all the time. And, you know, I, I did, um, Christ resonated with me. So I, I believed in Christ consciousness is, is how I, I would put it. But that's not neither here nor there. But the bottom line is that this whole idea that alternate realities do exist. And now, actually, I have a theory about this myself. You might as well, it sounds like. Um, So I think that because we are now moving into where we're seeing through the veil and we're actually seeing alternate realities, and this is, you know, the flat earth is all part of that, has to do with people that are kind of got locked into a materialization of what's called 4D. Mm. And 4D is a flat plane that goes off endlessly, never ends. And so that's the no, that's the if you want to, you know, visualize 4D, that's kind of how it looks. Um, but of course, you have to get beyond 4D. 4D is actually where the whole all the alien races and our group relations with those races comes to the fore in our existence. So once you get into 5D and, and beyond, then you some you leave some of those races behind, supposedly, a lot of the, the super negative ones in particular. But so this idea that dimensions and densities, you know, is an important concept that a lot of people, I guess they never tried to investigate that. Right. It's written about <clears throat> the in the Voyager books. But the bottom line is that we, this is the premise, we are time travelers. Mm -hmm. That's actually our nature. And so it's not something new. It's something we've always done. And it's something we always do. And when you leave your body at night, you actually time travel. You go wherever you want, basically. Um, And within the sort of levels of the matrix, and some people are more adept than others, and some can go farther and and do different things. The Tesseract. Okay. So so the idea here is that uh, what I'm trying to say is that what I think is happening, and there's more and more TV and movies about this subject, in case you you probably have noticed, right? Mm -hmm. They're more and more talking about this notion that we don't have just one reality, okay? This is the current reality we're in and that you can actually, I mean, what they can do in CERN is try to change the reality, the timeline we're on, so that we'll be on a different timeline that's more, you know, positive for them. Right. But the reverse can also happen and so on and so forth. So, there is a, a, a battle be, uh, over timelines going on right now so for the planet. This is, this is interesting because a lot of what you're saying, you said you were having dreams of an alternative timeline. Um, yep. do, you, do you know who a guy by the name of Philip K. Dick is? 
Yeah, of course. Okay, so Philip K. Dick, science fiction writer, Man in the High Castle. So yeah, I, I have seen that. Yep. So he did a symposium in the nineteen late nineteen seventies on whether this universe is a simulation or not with a whole bunch of physicists, and he talked about his experiences where he began to have dreams of an alternative universe and came to the realization that it wasn't an alternative universe. He was actually from there and one day just woke up here and he comes out in this symposium and he says, I actually wrote about it. It's called man in the high castle where the Nazis were winning the war and push all of us back to basically California. And he says, but this is interesting because if we start talking about the simulation universe, then we have to understand that they could have over layers on top of the digital layers of the digital dimensions. And he starts to come out and say that our universe that we currently live in is a simulation. And he goes out to prove it. And he starts talking about how in reality, people will begin to notice these subtle changes within their reality. Certain things will begin to shift and change and an individual will notice it. He goes right now in our, in our time frame. We're not talking about it because there's no massive way to store data for everybody to go back there and reference besides libraries and books and people's memory. But he goes, in the coming future, when we have these, these platforms that are out there, these digital platforms that store information that are readily accessible to everybody, people will start realizing that things in reality are continuously changing and that everybody on this planet right now are all, from all different dimensional levels of this multiverse. Yes. And that's called the Mandela uh, Effect. The what? And he calls those subtle little changes that people notice Mandela effect. Well, that's what the Mandela so effect is. The one, he's the one who coined the phrase? No, he, he described it before anybody even thought okay. about it. And yes, and everyone, I think, watching this knows about the Mandela effect. Yeah. But in the sense of, okay, I, I want to clarify one thing. This is one of my theories about it, is that not that I'm, I'm dreaming an alternate universe, although I could be, I think it's very possible. I even call it a 5D universe, okay? So I think I could be in 5D simultaneous as I'm in three going into 4D, mm -hmm. which is what the earth is at right now. So that I live part of my time and I've suddenly my, that my consciousness has become aware that I live in this other dimension. And so I go there and the funny thing about it is when I come back to this reality, I don't want to come back. Mm. I even try to stop myself from coming back. Like I'm that conscious that I'm coming back into this reality. And I actually like, and I'm like violently saying, no, 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 I don't want to go back there. That's wrong. That's not it. That's not the universe that I want to live in. Okay. Interesting. But yeah. when I go back, but when I, so I wake up and I'm euphoric, I'm like high, like super high. And it stays with me for sometimes even a couple of days. Eventually so euphoric. It'll dissipate. it's an incredible, yeah, it's a high. So that's one thing. And the other thing is that I actually, this is hypothetical again. Okay. And let me just say that I have evidence that I am also a precog. So uh -huh. that wraps into this a little bit. I also think it's possible. I don't know if it's possible. I don't know if it's real. It could be the future of this reality. Mm. So that what I'm dreaming is so similar to this reality. Like there's a, what you might even say, kind of a through line yep. that it could be this reality, but kind of lately more and more, I think, it's an alternate reality that I'll never, the two will never connect. You know what I mean? 
Do you know? But um, I have to understand that. Yeah. That they may never connect, and you know that's all right. I mean, because I'm not <laughs> like my life is is actually very good in this version, uh, but it's very strange, you know, um, to have that going on simultaneously in, in your head, right? Yeah. And that also has to do with, you know, this is for psych. I don't know. I think we talked last time when I did your an interview with you. Yeah. I talked to you about being a remote viewer, right? Yes. And as a remote viewer and even as a, you know, psychic intuitive, which it sounds like you have been as well since a child like me, right? Yep. Okay. So if you're like that, then what happens when, when you're a psychic intuitive, which is everyone has these abilities. It's just some people actualize them and others don't yet, but they will eventually. So the thing is that when you have that, you actually, it's, it's kind of interesting for people like us because mm -hmm. we can see the future actually happen in front of us that we have either dreamed or through visions seen already when that happens it puts us in an advantage in relation to the other humans in the in the matter okay mm -hmm. so that because we know what's going to happen and when it really does happen and it keeps when you keep having it really happen then you realize that you're actually getting information, you know, it's like being in a game and getting, you know, I don't know, an ace or whatever, where you're actually a step ahead. And it's, it's very interesting though, because it puts you in a weird dichotomy. Okay. Yeah. So what do you do with relation to your other humans when you know certain things are going to happen? Do you tell them there's always that mm. dilemma do you tell them what you've seen, you know, and it's some people have done that. that. They've, you know, they, they become like known as prophets or, you know, well-known psychics, you know, but all of those people that have done that have also been wrong from so time to time. I, I, this, I, I've actually been going over this the last few weeks. So <laughs> I, I've had this actually situation occur where I had okay. that in my head. I see it. I feel it. I know it. And then I question myself whether to tell somebody simply because maybe it's the fact of me telling them that actually causes the unraveling of that to happen. And so I, I stop myself and I just realize that the natural plan, the natural unfoldment of the universe will take place whether I intervene or not. But then you come back to the whole realization as if I do intervene, do I change the time? Right. So there's that whole perspective. But I've actually had quite a few situations the last few weeks just like that. Okay. So, but that is a, you know, it's a moral dilemma is yeah. what I'm saying for, for people like us. So it, it also has to do with, um, now I've had this all my life. Okay. And I have seen visions and they play like a movie. So where I've seen the movie, I'll get to a certain point in reality and suddenly that movie will start, you know, happening right before my eyes. And you know, I'm supposed to stand there and act like I, I don't know what's happening, you know, like the rest of the humans around. I'm supposed to act like, oh, this is a surprise, but it's not. Okay? Right. And um, that happens a lot. But the thing is that sometimes it's also not exact. So sometimes it's absolutely exact. And sometimes it's not like the timeline has shifted slightly so that it's the still the same ingredients are there, but they might be 
it's, you know, it's all a matter of proportion, you know, so I, I used to say this, um, I often would say this about Cliff High, you know, Cliff High has the web bot. Mm-hmm. The web bot is based on the premise that humans are precogs by nature, which of course we are. So how would we survive through the centuries if we weren't precogs to a degree? Okay, think about it. You need to know if a bear is going to, you know, come from around a bend and try to eat you. Otherwise, you know, you'd be total, you know, taken over by the bear. And so we are always like that. And and in military situations, I'm sure, and Michael Jacob can attest to this, right? They had they actually started to select leaders of platoons and various people who have these abilities, okay, to see around the bend before the thing happens because that could increase the chance of their platoon, you mm-hmm. know, making it through a wartime situation a lot. So th- that has happened. It's like a, a, a that is actually the British even made television shows about it, actually. So um, it's it's absolutely fascinating. And and, you know, it gets into this kind of dilemma that where we're talking about these different timelines. And even as Seth talked about, that there are simultaneous realities going right along beside each other that have just little variations they're not huge variations like you might think right they're actually smaller and this gets into you know this idea of of something being you know is it the future or is it just another timeline or is it a, a mixture of both i'm just saying that we as we see through the veil more and more it makes even decision-making on an everyday basis, you know, should I move here or there? Should I join this or that? Should I, you know what I mean? All those kinds of everyday decisions that people make, if you are one of these kind of people like us, it's much more complex, right? Mm -hmm. And like you said, you also have to decide if I have had dreams, okay, I'll say this. I have had dreams where people I know close to me have died okay do i say something or not i mean it's really intense you know that's a very intense thing to see the moral dilemma someone who you know you know is going to die i mean i wonder if i can say this um okay let me just say this i have had a dream vision in the future i know exactly where i'm going to be no i know what it looks like everything when there's an announcement that a certain very famous actor has died okay Mm -hmm. i'm not going to say that because i I, you know their name because i don't think that's appropriate but anyway i mean it is so you know clear i am gonna know when if i ever get to that place in reality now if i don't then it didn't happen like that right so i'm i'm not Personally, I'm not a person that goes, I'm talking about it now, and I I do talk about it more often than I used to, but I never used to talk about it at all, okay, the stuff that I would know, and because no one likes somebody like that to tell them things. I mean, I tried to do that when I was a little kid, Mm -hmm. and I I lost all my friends. (laughs) (laughs) They they hated my guts, okay, because I would tell them stuff they didn't want to know. So that that but it's not pleasant especially like if it's a family member you you know what i'm saying right well it, it brings about the more intricate nature of reality itself is that there's an there's an intricate 
in an extricate order, right? The things, uh, Dr. D- Dr. David Bohm talked about this, but that we have this innate connection to reality itself. And if reality itself is multidimensional, why are we only experiencing one linear plane of that dimensionality? Why can't we experience the multidimensionality, the non-locality of time of all of those sequences? And I think a lot of us who are um, maybe more more advanced on that spiritual level, maybe just different DNA or maybe different genetics or, or whatever it might be, we have tapped in to that non-locality of linearity when it comes to time or, you know, the spatial dimensions of the, of the universe. Um, for instance, I mean, I, I've talked about this with you in my last interview. Um, I, I've, I have had uh, a, a past life regression, plus I've had a life between life regression. Um, and I can sit here and I can recall a minimum of five past lives, and I can tell you who I was, what I did. I did a psychic initiation in Alexandria, Virginia, at the Sacred Circle. Um, I was there with Marie Claire, world-renowned psychic. It was two o'clock in the morning, and we're in a house that was built in 1690, and we're in the upstairs room. And the objective was to go into this dark room in this really old house. There's a candle in the closet. You walk in the closet. You close the door. You close your eyes and blow out the candle. When you open up your eyes there is a past life sitting right in front of you, one of your past lives, and they will tell you something that you need to know. And this is your psychic initiation. And I did it, and there was this man right in front of me, and I recognized him, and I knew him, and I instantly understood everything pertaining to that man and his life. It was one of the most profound spiritual moments in my life. And I've retained much of that information. Not only that is, is not only you retain it, but it, it unfolds as you move along in life. As you learn and go through various different experiences in life, it begins to unfold. And so I look at that as, as a gift. I, I seriously do. And I don't, yeah. I, I've talked to a lot of people. And I know a lot of people don't experience these types of things. But I mean, I, we have this type of, this, this gift where we can transcend time and space and, and understand different aspects of reality. So I wonder if some of that too is this temporal displacement that's occurring. Is that you exist in the future, you exist in the past, and you exist in the present. And so yeah. these feelings come about because they're experienced so strongly in the future. It's like September 11th. If you remember, Dean Radin talks about this, the consciousness, human consciousness experiment that was going on, where they had the sensors placed all around the, the globe. And before September 11th, an hour before September 11th happened, they sensed that there was this deep sorrow and sadness throughout the whole world. But it happened before the event actually took place. Well, um, you know who Jack Sarfati is? Jack, I've heard that name, yeah. He's a, well, he's a famous physicist. Uh, he lives in, uh, in San Francisco. Well, I, I don't know if he's still there, but he, he was living in, uh, you know, um, North Beach, San Francisco, and actually have been to his house there and talked with him. And one of the things that he has said, you know, he talks about, and this is actually pretty important, He's a pretty important guy, okay? Mm-hmm. So you should know who he is. But at any rate, he received a phone call, and I think it's when he was a young kid. I don't know if he was a teenager or what. And the t- the phone call was from an AI in the future, if I understand that. And there, that story he has written up. It's you can easily access, you know, it's accessible. So just put in Jack Sarfati, and you'll find his. He's got a, a website. I forget the name of it, but it's he's all about black holes and, and all kinds of stuff like that. Anyway, okay. um, he you know, he is actually 
I don't know if I'm supposed to say this, but I don't, I, okay, I won't say it. But anyway, so there's that, um, you know, this particular approach. And I told him something which he actually reacted to completely agreeing with me. And this is relates to what you just said. Okay. I have this theory, uh, which it's kind of a weird theory, but it's that when you wake up in the morning and you look in the mirror, you can see what happened that day mm. ahead, the day ahead of you. In other words, I think it's written on your face. So like if you had a good day that day, it'll be on your face. If it had a bad day, you know, all those kind of things, your emotional nature will have retained the future in the, the, you know, now, right. Because, because we are precogs and we actually, it's even possible that we're living time backwards, hmm. that we've already experienced all of this. All we're doing is kind of playing the movie forward that we already know has happened. That's why in part we're, why we're precogs. So, it's, it's kind of a fascinating theory. It doesn't mean it's true, but I did tell him and he seemed to really totally get it. So for whatever it's worth. Um, now, I don't know whether that's true for all of humanity. I, I know that it seems to be true. It seems to work out for, for my understanding of reality. And maybe I, you know, I have sort of an openness to that, to the fluidity you know, this. there's a saying, it's called the unbearable lightness of being, and there was a movie yeah. and a book named that. It's like that, okay? We tend to, okay, we have been mind-controlled since birth, right? Even those of us like me, I didn't grow up on the Bible mind control, but of course, television and the constant, you know, barrage of big pharma and all this nonsense, right? And I'm really one of these people that's pretty impervious to all of it thank god i mean i would say yeah but it doesn't mean that i don't i'm not aware of the programs when i see them coming by right and also that some residual programs didn't like kind of latch on to me in some form or fashion right and so you always have to be aware of that and always careful of it but nonetheless if you're fluid enough you can actually divest yourself of all that you know, stuff and clear yourself. And, and a lot of people have been doing that more and more lately, you know, here on planet earth. So it, it, it's very helpful, you know, but people that are locked in these programs, you can't really have a conversation with them. And this is part of when I interview people. So what happens when I interview people is they start going into a program. And they're always, they worked in the secret space program and they always have been mind controlled and sometimes to forget certain things, right? Have their mind wiped, all that kind of stuff. Well, wh for whatever reason, I have a sensitivity to that and I can tell when we're entering that land and when I'm getting that, when the person is not actually there. In a certain sense, they begin to go into their program and they no longer are participating in the conversation. And so I do things like, you know, interrupt them and people get all excited and all upset at me and shit. But it works. I mean, it really works. And there's something goes on 
with this. And I don't know, maybe I have, you know, ET help, hidden help, so and so. But all I can tell you is that if you interrupt them in the middle of their program, right, what's going, 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 and there'll be a lot of times it's it's when you have secret witnesses, these people who worked in uh, black projects for 40 years, all they want to do is talk. Right. So you almost have to interrupt them to get a word in edgewise in many cases, because not only do they want to talk, but a lot of times they also want to talk their programs right out at you. And and that can be very um, kind of tiresome, difficult to deal with. Right. Because you really are not having a conversation anymore. You're just you're kind of on the outside looking in and they're having a conversation with themselves. You could say mm-hmm. or with God or whatever it is. So that's that's part of the problem. But I can say that um, I I have seen I've seen many of my past lives. OK, and one of the ways I do it is by going to places on the planet where I have experienced these things. So I, I I travel a great deal in this life. And one of the things I have a theory about is that people go to live and also go to travel to where they have had their past lives all the time. In other words, it's not like sometimes they do that. It's like that's what they're doing. Interesting. And I have a theory about where they live. Like you can look at the surroundings of where you live and see how this resonates. But the idea is that you don't go to some place that you haven't lived <laughs> so much. You actually, a lot of humans tend to go back to the same places over and over again every time they incarnate um, because they're trying to grasp and relive their experiences in that place to, you know, kind of um, tie up loose ends, I think yep. you might call it, right? So you'll get a lot of people that lived in the Wild West, let's say that live in Western United States and they'll live in the same kinds of towns. And, you know, they don't look like a cowboy town. They don't have shootouts like they used to, but for all intents and purposes, a lot of their lives are very wrapped up in those old times. Right. And that goes for, you can think of lots of places. Like I, I'm very aware of my native American background. (laughs) And um, some people have seen that I actually, seemed to look slightly Native American, and so did, so did my father, and so, did, so does one of my sisters. And she actually started acting like a Native American, I mean, in her life, this life, right? Interesting, yeah. And painting them and drawing them and all this kind of stuff. Um, I don't paint and draw them, but I definitely, you know, know, I know where I am and where I've been in, in, in the past, even maybe it was Moo at the time. Moo we're talking really could go back far. It, and that's true of Egypt and, you know, right. all, all different places, India, you know, so I, I, you know, some people ask me, how can I find out where my past lives are? And it's like so obvious. Um, this also has to do with the gifts you bring in with you. Right. And, and it's interesting too, that you say that because, um, one of the theories that I've seen on time is that time is a oscillation 
or frequency. And that this frequency is very similar to music where you have this, this scale that overlaps on octaves. And so time overlaps itself. And that's when those frequency bands come together. And so if it overlaps at a frequency, frequency band where you were there at that time and space, you will begin to resonate with that certain area within the United States. We are just talking about this uh, with somebody um, that they felt so, they went home and they felt so they went back to their hometown and they felt so comfortable. They felt at peace. But when they were, you know, living out here in Colorado, they're like, this, this is horrible. I, I don't like it here. And it's just such a bad vibe now, because, because you were born there. That's where your energy took existence within this perspective of your reality at this time of your reality. That's where you resonate with. That's where your time lineage starts right now. That's why you resonate there. But then we also find these overlaps of time where, you know, you might be in Rome, Italy, and, and you might have been there in, you know, in, in, you know, 1120 or something like that. And that time overlap is taking place right now. And you just feel at home and you feel just so resonating with that area. Um, I, I get like, I've had dreams about India and Kathmandu. Um, I've had dreams about Rome. I've had dreams about these places I've never been to before. And I just have a desire to go. Like, I'm, like I have to go there before I die. And I think it's exactly what you're talking about here is this, this well, what we're talking about is this frequency overlap that occurs that resonates at these various times because I believe there's micro functions of time as well. So they resonate on very, very subtle levels as well as very, very macro levels and that they resonate with us and our being and our soul that has existed there at that time that has this, I, I guess, spiritual lineage that goes through the ages of time, past and future that's directly connected to it all. Yeah, I agree. Um, in other words, you know, one of the things that you can do is actually go to those places and you, you will, you know, begin, you can have visions and stuff. I actually do like, um, I don't know what's called, um, bilocate and that kind of thing. I can also see, like, I can be two places. Like I can be somewhere else where I'm going to be in the future, or I've been in the past and then I'm there in the future. You know what I mean? So I'll see both sides of that. And, um, it's quite fascinating. You know, um, I was in England, for example, and I we went to a castle and the castle is actually destroyed. So there's actually nothing but just some stones in the ground and s stuff like that. And um, I was we were walking around the certain part of the castle and I all of a sudden I said, oh, and that's where the, you know, the kitchen was. And I wasn't really thinking about it, but it just came in my mind. And mm -hmm. then we just took a couple more steps and there was this little placard and says kitchen, you know, type thing. I've had that with a lot of places, in other words. Um, so, you know, it's very strange. I mean, this is what's kind of exciting about it, though, because in the exploration, you do get to know yourself better. You get to know, you know, if you know your history, you know, you really learn about yourself. You learn about the things that you knew back then. These things can come forward. You can actually utilize like there. This can be a very advantageous thing to have happen, you know, to become more aware 
because yep. you can use those skill sets that you used back in those days. You know, maybe you're a warrior one time and you know how to fight or, you, you know, whatever, whatever it was. And that you can it can kick into this reality. Let's say you get into danger in this reality. Suddenly you, you know, you reach for these other uh, abilities. Um there's this uh, Richard Bartlett. He does this mm -hmm. thing called Matrix Energetics, and I've interviewed him several times, and he's a really fascinating guy. And one of the things that he did um, is he he actually was some kind of a master of, you know, uh, I don't know, like Tai Chi or whatever it was yeah. in, in another life. And he was in a situation when he was a kid where he was challenged by the bullies. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, he started like acting like a Tai Chi master kind of thing and beat the bullies and all this kind of thing. It, I mean, like a miracle kind of thing. I mean, it's just incredible. But that what he, you know, he had that ability. He's quite a psychic and all that kind mm -hmm. of stuff. And um, even at a, as a young age, this is how he became aware of his abilities is that he tapped into that because he was in a stress situation. A lot of times when you're in a stress situation, of course, the Illuminati know this, right? So this is why they torture their victims and all that kind of crap and their children, et cetera. Because when you're in a stress situation, these things come to the fore. You know, mm -hmm. they call it like breaking the vase. The vase or the vessel is this, you know, is your body. And if you put cracks in it, then you, you know, the light comes through and you start to see. That's a good thing in one hand, but the way they do it is wrong. Because they torture to, you to get there. So you said some things really there that sparked a, a lot of things in my mind. Um, you had mentioned kind of like a lot of us through stress and various different things can tap into these various genetic or these various different abilities, which I think are carried in our DNA. I think that all of our past lives are carried within the lineage sure. of our DNA. And, and I think that what happened is, is that's the natural state of being. Because you were saying that as we progressed, I mean, it would be very useful to have that information. I do think that naturally in the natural state of evolution is we would have that. But because of the genetic manipulation of humanity from our history, that genetic lineage, that genetic memory has been shut off. And that's one of the reasons why we sit here today with this amnesia. Yes. But again, that's what the awakening is all about mm -hmm. is, is breaking those barriers down and where people are beginning to see through all of that. And, um, you know, it can't happen fast enough for me, frankly, um, you know, because there's so much more to living to what we call life when you understand this. And there are so many um, what you might call um, like discontinuities and misunderstandings, even between people. Right. You know, um, Whatever, you know, uh, of course, uh, boyfriends and girlfriends and husbands and wives who suddenly meet somebody else who they were with in a prior life and have all kinds of feelings for. It can happen in a flash of a second and there's no explanation for it in reality, but it has a reality. Yeah. And then, you know, it's it, it. What do people do about that? And we don't have ways of explaining to each other or even even legal ways um i i you know probably the last thing you want me to do but um 
And the abortion is part of this. Okay, so let me explain a little bit about why the abortion question is not being answered by either party, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. Okay, so if you don't understand about past lives and multiple realities, then you certainly don't understand about the soul taking possession of a body (laughs) and coming, you know, and being born to a certain family, etc., and making a decision along those lines in advance, okay, and choosing the parents and all that kind of thing. Well, there's a problem with all of that because it's also involves the soul who came through the the man and a woman at a certain, you know, a certain man and a certain woman, right? So when you say, um, no, that person can't have an abortion, you're not looking out for the person who would have the abortion, first of all. You're just ignoring their future. The second thing you're doing, so you're putting the child before the mother, let's right. say, and the unborn child. And yet you don't also know what the father, what, what that individual wanted. Okay. So you've actually got three people involved in, in an abortion. Right. And all they are doing is talking about, you know, whether suddenly it's a funny thing for me to look at this from, you know, because I'm a supporter of of Trump on on the Republican side, so to speak, even though I don't like all that stuff. So meaning parties and all that silliness. But the bottom line is that they suddenly decide that they own the mother's body and they can decide whether she can have an abortion or not. Not talking to the child, not talking to the husband or the boyfriend or whoever, the, or even of the rapist or whoever the hell he is. Yeah. Um, you know what I'm saying? So the woman doesn't matter. The man doesn't matter. The child gets born, whether it even wants to or not, because it probably would prefer to have the, the, the male and the female have some kind of unison about right. them coming through to bring the child in with them. So. You, you know, this is what, I mean, troubles me greatly, actually, because our courts have no clue whatsoever of all this. When you look at reality in such a limited way, as you do not understand who we really are, you do not understand what the soul of a child is deciding. You do not understand that you cannot rule over that child. You cannot rule over that woman and her body. You cannot rule over that man and his body. In other words, there needs to be a court that would bring all three people in and possibly even others that might be crucial to the matter. Who knows what, right? Yeah. Someone introduced them to each other or whatever it happened to be, right? I'm just saying how these connections are being ignored. And that means that an injustice is being done whether there's an abortion or there's not. So certain people's lives are being decided by a court that has no clue uh, about who we truly are as beings. Right. So, and that's, there's so many permutations to that, not just abortion, of course. There absolutely is. There's also this other aspect about how humanity has degraded in the level of self-discipline and personal responsibility. Um, that people are going out there and making just rash and, and very bad decisions to put themselves even in those situations in the first place. Sure. But then they always have. I mean, you know, right. you say it degrading. That might be 
your particular perspective. But the reality, if you actually talk to somebody, I don't know, who was born and lived in, you know, 100 years ago, they might have a completely view, different view of that. Not only that, but, you know, history is written by the victors. You've heard that saying, yep, right? story. And the fact of the matter is that a lot of times the woman's side in this male-dominated version of reality that we live in isn't told. There are lies. They, they lie and they go along to get along and various mm -hmm. things. So you never have gotten the real story of history because it's only about his, 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 yep. his battle. The blah, of the blah, war. Blah. Yep. And not to mention that some of the incredible scientists, their wives have basically told them everything, <laughs> you know, it's still happening right now. You know, I know people like I'm not going to, again, name them, but I know a particular person who is very famous in his own right for what he did. And I know he married psychics on purpose. Hmm. You understand? Yeah. Because and there are a lot of men like this. They will and they don't even necessarily do it consciously. OK, I'm not trying to blame them. I'm saying they know they have a missing piece because they haven't actualized their own psychic ability. So they will align themselves with a woman who has psychic ability so that she can tell them and warn them and give them, Interesting. Extra, I like that. you know, insight. Yeah. It's a fascinating, you know, situation. So. Interesting. Answering the chats right there. And, and Carrie, this was probably one of the fastest hour and a half I've had on this show in a very long time. This was a fascinating conversation. I, I We could honestly go hours on this, um, but I, I want you to go ahead and tell everybody where they can find you, where they can follow you and get a hold of you. Okay. Uh, well, projectcamelotportal.com mm -hmm. is my URL uh, and projectcamelot.tv is another way to find it. Same, same place uh, or projectcamelot.org. All three URLs, because we, we were banned in certain places, parts of Germany, et cetera, based on the URL. So we created three of them. Um, they all go to the same place. Uh, then I'm, I have a Rumble which channel, which is Project Camelot, and I have my Telegram. If you go to my website, I have icons going across the top that say, you know, my, I have two yep. Facebooks. One is Project Camelot. One is my personal one. Um, Facebook is screwed with everything so yeah. god knows what's going on over there um i'm banned from youtube probably for life i can't even look i can't register i can't do anything over there it doesn't matter if i use a fake email or not <laughs> um they really hate me so um banned from vimeo as well i was banned from twitter but that i got in with a kind of what you uh, you know a completely fake yep um, email. And uh, so I'm on Twitter and everything is on there, you know, all the links to all my social media and I'm on odyssey.com. So when I make a video, I it broadcast it for free. Then I download it, put my credits and stuff like that on it, take out any delays that are crazy shit that happened in terms of um, I don't change the words or any of that right. stuff. I, I only, but a lot of times we do have crazy, crazy delays and glitches and things. And then I put it on Rumble and then it goes on Odyssey and then it goes on my website. So also my Telegram channel is close to 100,000. Used to be more. I don't know what where, you know, people go sometime or if it's 
somebody's messing with me, but it's around a hundred thousand, give or take any particular day. And I, I actually post raw stuff on there where I just, I'm, you know, kind of thinking about something and free associating and, and want to tell like recently I, I was, um, staying in, in Lake Tahoe and I observed a certain thing about the portal under the lake. And I, I just discussed that on my telegram. That's so you get cool. like a several paragraphs of what I think is going on there, um, which has to do with the mafia, the gray ETs and, and the military. It's quite a fascinating story. And then, you know, I, I post all news that I think is interesting. It doesn't mean I believe it. Yep. A lot of times, um, you know, I'll even post stuff that I don't agree with. It just it's what you need to consider. Um, so that's what my telegram is. It's tons of stuff. I post there daily. So what's the, what's the telegram handle at three in the morning? It's all on my website. So if you go oh, to my perfect. website, yep, com and click on my telegram, that's the easiest way to get there. It's, um, you know, cause I, I can't, it's something like Carrie Lynn Cassidy gotcha. slash Camelot or something, project Camelot. Um, and there are a lot of people that try to fake and pretend they're me. Uh, so it's all there and I'm, yeah, so I guess that's covers it pretty well. Fantastic. Thank you so much for joining us tonight, Carrie. Uh, for everybody out there in the audience on the social red pill, which is our private social network, we'll be going to Fringe After Dark in 35 minutes from right now. So you guys can join us for that. That is our late night Zoom on Friday nights. You guys are more than welcome to join. All the information will be posted on Social Red Pill right after this show is over. Other than that, I hope you guys have a fantastic evening um, and a great weekend. We'll be back with you more. Thank you so much, Carrie Cassidy, for joining us tonight. I can't actually wait to have you back on. So we're going to book you right away. <laughs> Thank you. Well, it's fascinating talking to you as well. So thank you. Fantastic. All have right, a good thanks, night. Everyone. Everyone. Bye. Bye-bye.